You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. The Neverland Podcast, episode 102. Welcome to Neverland. Take the start of the right and straight until morning. Welcome, Neverlanders, to once again the Neverland Podcast. I, of course, am your pan, the Spider Pan, and I am here to lead the way. Make sure you take that pixie out of your pocket and sprinkle some of that pixie dust around, and let's take flight to Neverland. We have, obviously, from the music you're hearing, some Star Wars fun for you. Uh, And so, of course, we're going to dive into at Disneyland. They have started the season of the Force. And, of course, we're going to talk all about that with Eric Warren, Lost Boy Eric, who will also be joining us in a fun panel uh, that uh, will be joined also by Mike Emke, who works down at Epcot and also is the head of the Weeby Geeks Network. We have lots of fun planned, and so we might as well just get straight to it. This will be a day long remembered. It has seen the end of Kenobi and will soon see the end of the Rebellion. Plug in. He should be able to interpret the entire Imperial Network. Welcome, young Skywalker. I have been expecting you. Star Wars News. Eric Warren. Eric, 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 Eric Warren. Okay, so Eric is over in Disneyland, and you got a chance to look at the soft opening for some of the new season of the Force things going on over there, huh? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So they they messed with Space Mountain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, most definitely. You know, they have uh, replaced the regular Space Mountain uh, experience with uh, what's called hyperspace mountain. And this is an opportunity for you to get into an X-Wing fighter and join the battle over the planet Jakku. Cool. So, as you know, I, I don't even know how to begin explaining it. It is a space battle. Your uh, rocket ship is the X-Wing. Uh, you take off to hyperspace to begin, and you've got Admiral Akbar giving you direction and instructions and orders as you're flying alongside other X-Wings and fighting TIE fighters and ultimately going up against the Star Destroyer. Oh, cool. Now, and as you're flying around, yeah, uh, you've got projections of all of the different things, but there's actually real items. Uh, There's an actual real TIE fighter in there that you almost run into. And you can see the green and red laser bolt coming from the TIE fighters and coming from your X-Wing fighting each other as you're going through. And i got to tell you, I came off of that ride with a huge smile on my face. It just It is just amazing, and I, I, I don't even know, I, I don't have words for it. It is so great. 
So is this in the style more of the Force Awakens, where you're the Resistance fighting against the uh, the new or the First Order, or is this that versus the Empire? Yeah, I think it's versus the Empire. It wasn't very clear as to whether you're a Resistance or a Rebellion fighter, but I think it's more the Rebellion because the Battle of Jakku took place about a year after the Battle of Endor from uh, the new timeline that we've been uh, uh, going through. So is it filled with some John Williams music? Oh yes, it it has you know all of the classic you know battle themes from Star Wars, so, <laughs> and and it's playing all throughout. So I I was able to get a recording of that, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to share that uh, with all of our Neverlanders here. Uh, as, hopefully with this uh, with with this show. Oh yeah, hopefully so. <laughs> <laughs> now the so, the other oh I'm sorry, go ahead. I said, did they do anything special with the Q line? Uh, actually, no. The, there's there's one change, which is the safety video, in which you've got uh, Admiral Akbar you know, doing his best to keep you from falling into a trap. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, Admiral Akbar gives part of the safety spiel uh, for the ride, and there's a video um, for the safety spiel that goes along with that. But, um, oh, the other big change is, and it's not so much a big... Uh, cosmetic change is more atmospheric, uh, is that as you're in the loading area for the ride, um, <clears throat> there's usually, uh, uh, I'm trying to recall right now, it's been so long since I've been on the regular Space Mountain to recall, but I think it's a green cue that's uh, around the loading area. In this case, it's blue, but uh, the lights are moving, so it gives you the impression that uh, the area that you're at, this loading area, is actually going to hyperspace. Oh, so you might actually be launching from a large rebel frigate of some sort then. Exactly, exactly. Oh, that is cool. So, um, you know, the other uh, big uh, piece of the Force event that I was able to attend today was uh, the Path of the Jedi. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a show that takes place in the Japanese Theater. It's not 3D, it's regular 2D. Um, but it basically is... I don't want to say a clip show, but yeah, it's a, it's a clip show um, of all of the original six movies, um, intercutting and juxtaposing Obi-Wan's speech to Luke in A New Hope about who the Jedi were, who his father was, uh, with events that happened in the first three movies, in the, in the prequel films. Um, but then, uh, after it goes through and talks about you know, Luke's role and Darth Vader, then you hear the phrase, there has been an awakening. Oh. And that is immediately followed by the domestic trailer for The Force Awakens. And oh, I'll tell fantastic. you, when I, first saw, when I first saw that come out a couple weeks ago, my hairs were standing on end. They were standing on end coming out of this period of <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Did they show any extra little bit of bonus footage that maybe we haven't seen yet? Unfortunately, no. Um, oh. it's, it's everything that we have seen in the yeah, in that uh, in the big trailer that came out, like I said, just a few weeks ago. Oh goodness, they're not even going to tease us with any extras. <laughs> Unfortunately, not. But uh, you know, still being able to see you know the preview in that large format was just still amazing and incredible. And well, of course, you know, have, and to have the you know the whole story of the Jedi and Darth Vader preceding that was just amazing and incredible as well. Oh, yeah. So about how long of a presentation is it? Well, I would say that it's probably about a good 10 minutes. Oh, awesome. 
and well, and with the Captain Neil Peters here in uh, Anaheim, the floor moves. Right. So there are a few uh, instances you know, during this, this whole show where the floor is going to move in time with what's up on the screen. So when, uh, back in A New Hope, when the Millennium Falcon is taking out from Moss Eisley, you feel the floor rumble as the Millennium Falcon rises. Um, <laughs> cool. With, uh, with the blaster bolts, uh, there's red strobe lights that flash in time with the flash. Um, when oh, cool. Luke first fires up that lightsaber in Ben Kenobi's home, there's a flash of light to accompany the lightsaber being switched off. <laughs> so, you know, there's there's other atmospheric events going on in there. Um, when uh, Han Solo is frozen in carbonite and that steam rises, uh, you you actually feel the air rushing to you as, as that steam rises up. Oh, cool! But, uh, Do they give you a pump you of know, air conditioning to chill you out a little bit? <laughs> uh, not quite, not quite. But you know, um, yeah, again, it's, it's some pretty neat stuff going on here. This isn't everything they've got going on. Uh, they've got the landing bay, which is opening up very soon. And um, also Star Tours is going to have some additions to it as well, which I haven't seen. So, uh, but anyhow, uh, that, that's what we've got to report from Disneyland today. Awesome. And Season of the Force has not officially begun. This was a soft opening. But it's, uh, that's it's right. going on now. It's, it's, it's beginning, at least soon. Yes, yes. It officially starts on uh, the 16th of November, which is this coming Monday. All right. So, everybody, if you don't have your tickets for Disneyland, get going over there now. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, it's good to talk to you, Jeremy. I got to run. All righty. Go have some more fun. <laughs> Will do. Thanks. Bye. Right. Bye-bye. Pirates, we've detected a star destroyer near Jakku. Report to your reconnaissance vessels and make the jump now hyperspace. The 7-7 Squadron will provide support during your survey mission. Reminder for all pilots, these missions can feel like a high-speed roller coaster type ride in the dark, with sharp turns, sudden drops, and stops. Follow all pre-launch procedures, including stowing hats, glasses, and all loose possessions in the cargo pouch located directly in front of you. To prepare for launch, pull down on the lap bar in front of you. Good luck, and may the force be with you.
to Disney and beyond. Okay, Neverlanders, there is a great mystery, possibly a debate out there that we really need to figure out. Ever since Lord of the Rings, our entire world has changed, or maybe even, you know, since Spider-Man. It seems geek culture and pop culture have had a head-on collision and somewhere has merged. So now the age-old question must be asked, is there still a difference between a geek and a fan? Or have they now become the same thing? I think there's probably a difference, but we're going to have to dive in here and try to find out. Uh, so I'm going to bring in some guests here, some different people's opinions from other podcasters, other you know, fans of Disney or Disney geeks. We'll find out as we listen, won't we? Uh, but right now i have eric warren who you've heard on the neverland podcast before he is one of our last boys and hi ho hi ho <laughs> and also for anyone who uh, has now been wondering what in the world this weeby geeks thing we've heard ads on the neverland podcast and we have this bumper the weeby geeks network well here's the guy who runs that network and also has a couple of shows weeby geeks and the mighty marvel geeks it's mr mike emke i have a really bad feeling about this <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Hi. What's going on? <laughs> and hopefully I did pronounce that correct. It is Emke, right? Correct. Cool, because I wasn't sure how to pronounce it. Uh, so another bit of fun fact, though, for all us Disney fans is Mike works at Epcot. Allegedly. Excellent. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> if you call it work, right? Oh, no. I work. I do work. <laughs> I am on the entertainment side of things. Oh, fun. So uh, what do you do? What is the entertainment side of things? Uh, I'm an audio engineer, actually, uh, with Walt Disney World Entertainment. Cool. Primarily status out, out of Epcot. Wow. All right. So you get to do some of the fun technical side of things. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Well, where I want to get this started is a few things. I've made a list of, of some things that I think are geek qualifiers. Now, uh, what I usually kind of would be the first thing that I'd say be a difference between somebody who's probably more of a geek than a fan is socially awkward. And this could be that maybe they're shy or maybe just a little misunderstood because maybe we get a little overly excited about something in our own because we have a, a, a level of fandom ourselves, you know, as geeks. But sometimes we get so far into it that where people just don't understand where we're coming from or we'll quote some movie out into conversation and nobody gets it. Okay, then then maybe I I would say let's let's add a third qualifier to this. And this is this is the discussion I've had with people. We go nerd, geek, fanboy. Right. Yeah, there's definitely some difference and there's also dork in there somewhere. Um <laughs> dork I I I don't know. I, I, dork doesn't necessarily, I don't think it necessarily fits. Yeah, see, I've kind of, uh, well, well, nerd usually is somewhere within a, a level of knowledge, be it uh, sciences or technology of some sort. That's usually where the nerd would be. Uh, dork is usually that ineptness and a little bit of clumsy, and maybe that also is socially awkward. Geek is somewhere in that middle where you've got a combination of the two, but also a geek will be ma a, a major fan of something like Star Trek and everything. And so usually that's where they, the two meet. See, to me, I, I've seen a nerd, best example. Sheldon Cooper. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Geek. Leonard. <laughs> but yet he's still kind of a nerd, too. Uh, yeah, but he's he's more geek than he is nerd. I mean, Sheldon just does not know how to handle himself. I mean, we've, <laughs> yeah. we've seen the progression. Um, Leonard, uh, he's engaged. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. It's 
like I said, a lot of this is very subjective. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's each person's interpretation. Um, I mean, to me, saying dork is, it's almost like a, a slam or insult. Well, so did nerd and geek. That used to be a slam or an insult. Uh, it might have been up until like Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> well, even it, after. Yeah, but it became more embraced. I mean, yeah, I make the comment all the time that um, you know, Weeby Geeks were the official voice of the geek revolution. Um, mm-hmm. I and I use the term geek over nerd because I feel I'm more geekish than I am nerdish. Um, with with the geek revolution, I mean, look at the movies that have dominated the box office. Mm-hmm. This summer, I mean, Jurassic World, definitely Ant Man, uh, Minions, um, Mission Impossible. I mean, all of these I don't think would be at pre Star Wars. I don't think stuff like this would have been as strong in the in the box office. I mean, you look at the movies that might have been box office hits back then. Now, you, okay, James Bond every now and then, but I mean, you're talking James Bond, literary, you know, arch, you know a literary franchise. I, I don't think the, the geek or nerd realm or even the fanboy realm really started until Star Wars really came about and, and just the hype that came with it. Uh, or maybe with Star Trek. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. With mm-hmm. Star Trek, there was a definite okay. uh, movement, you know, with uh, phase two and uh, lead up to the, to the motion picture. Yeah. Right. Which you can definitely think thank Star Wars for helping Star Trek come back with that motion picture because right. you know because of the success of Star Wars Star Trek was kind of like you know Gene Roddenberry says hey well let me get something out there too unfortunately he did Star Trek the motion picture first uh, which was I, it did get a lot of Trekkies excited again but uh, it wasn't really till like Star Trek 2 the Wrath of Khan that suddenly you know people like me who you know, I didn't grow up watching Star Trek so much but I saw the Wrath of Khan and suddenly like oh this is amazing and so suddenly I'm into Star Trek right but I, I almost don't know if if geekdom started back then, you know, that far back. Because I mean, if you want to go that way as well, I'm going to show my age here. No, I turned 45 <laughs> later this month. Um, you had Space 1999. You had the you know the 66 Batman, which people were ooh and odd. I don't think. I mean, the, the, I don't think a lot of the Star Trek conventions or, or the big Comic Cons really started. I mean, San Diego is one of the oldest in the country. And, and Star Wars was, was the first real non-comic related thing that appeared at the show. Yeah. Of course, what you're talking about is where a, a geek culture crosses over with pop culture, where pop culture lines in there. See, where I, where I find the difference is, and that's actually the next thing I have on my list is a love of sci-fi fantasy and mythology. Uh, because in a, in a geek culture, we'll, we'll read the books to where maybe we'll, we'll have seen the movie later after we've already read the book and we'll start comparing it to the book. Either that or maybe there'll be one movie out that we were kind of like, you know, I'd kind of like to, to read those books. Well, here, oh, look, a movie. Let me go see the movie. And if I like the movie, I'll go ahead and I'll read the entire series of books before the next movie comes out. You know, we, we like to read the books. Uh, we might even study say to that is I've been waiting 20 years for a Shannara series or movie or something. And I'm glad to see that's finally happening. Really? I did not know Shannara. Was, is it Shannara or Shannara? I always thought it was Shannara. 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 See, because uh, I had straight started... From, straight from Terry Brooks' mouth. Shannara. Yeah, awesome. See, I had I had uh, meant to read the first book in that series, but I never can find it. Sort of Shannara. That's, I think it's the first one, isn't it? Yep. I never got a chance to actually read that one to get started in the 
series of those. So yeah, and it, it's you know the first book it's very much in a uh, J.R.R. Tolkien type epic quest style, and he really goes on to explore and flesh out his world in, in the later books. And really, the series that uh, it, it's currently being filmed for MTV, but the the series that's being filmed right now is uh, based on the second book of the series, The Elfstones of Shannara. Huh. Well, so where it, it's getting away from that Lord of the Rings type thing to where he was evolve, evolving and where he was going, uh, you know, as, as he became a better writer and became more used to using certain tropes and ideas that have really been around in uh, fantasy fiction for quite some time. But, you know, with that said, I mean, we got uh, Elder's Game, or Ender's Game two years ago. Um, we're, we're seeing a lot of this uh, fantasy and a lot of the, the sci-fi books that, you know, we've been reading and we've been growing up with finally making their way to the mainstream culture along with comics and, uh, you know, what we have embraced in our youth and what has uh, routinely and, and for most of our lives been considered kid stuff or, you know, the geek stuff, the guys who hang out in the AV club and play Dungeons and Dragons and generally nerd out in their own little nerdtastic way. Yep. See, that's exactly where I think the difference lies is once there's a movie made, if the movies become a big thing, it becomes part of a pop culture and everyone will embrace it at that point. But like the geek culture, it's the stuff the people who we loved it before it was you know part of the pop culture. And maybe people looked at us like, what in the world are you reading? And like, cause I, as I was about to say, also, we could study classes at school. I actually took a class, two, two different classes in high school. I, there was a science fiction class and a mythology class. I was actually mythology club president in my high school. <laughs> so that's a completely different uh, you know, level of things because uh, actually at Oak Park, nobody knew we had a mythology club. And even my junior year when I had gotten into the mythology club, nobody really knew we existed unless we had taken the class. And when I became mythology club president uh, my senior year, I was like, you know, I'm going to make sure we're on the map. We go to competitions. We compete with other schools. This is, a, this is a big deal. So I made sure when we were doing something, I went on the announcements and I appeared on the announcements and I'd talk about what we were doing. And suddenly people were like, there's a mythology club here? And some people, of course, looked at that like, <laughs> nerds, you know, and other people were like, well, that's kind of interesting, you know, so... Well, I, I find it interesting now. Um, I, mean, I graduated high school in 89. A lot of people who thought I might have been a, a geek or a nerd then, I see them on Facebook now or I or chat with them or if I run into them at the parks and you know, we're catching up, they're they're telling me, they're asking me, you know, what about this, what about that? I'm like, oh, so you've come over to the geek side, have you? <laughs> we have cookies. <laughs> no, Dark Side's exactly. got cookies. We, we have we, cookies in the geek side too. No, we just got girls. Uh, now we've got girls, and that's a whole other topic I'm going to get into later. Uh, but another thing, of course, we've always loved is comic books, which, as as Eric was saying, somebody would say, oh, well, those are kid stuff and everything. But when you start reading, you realize they're very adult uh, and deal with some serious subject matter uh, over the course of uh, – we've done three comic books, 101, 102, and 103. Actually, we called them Marvel DC 101 and 102 before we went to comic books 103. Uh, but we've talked about you know the social issues that were brought up with uh, racism and drugs, uh, suicide – I mean, just a lot of deep topics. Uh, but, of oh, course, they were, they, you do read the, some of the hokey stuff from back in the 60s. But still then, you know, teenagers and adults and even back during uh, you know, during wars, you know, comic books were sent over to servicemen. And they were sitting there reading this stuff. And this has always been, you know, a big thing. But, you know, the, the culture for years thought that either we were reading something that was corrupting us or that was meant for children. Well, what, I think one of the you know, you brought up social issues. One of the big, big ones from early in the day was the, the Green Lantern, Green Arrow, where Green Lantern was pointing out that Speedy's a drug addict. Yep. 
Eric, say your line. Uh-oh, we lost him. My ward Speedy is a junkie. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I just love it when he says that. It's just fun the way he does it. <laughs> okay. Well, but it wasn't just that. You had uh, Spider-Man and Harry Osborn right. uh, dealing with yep. drugs and heroin you know, yep. in, the, in the early 70s. So, yeah, it was something that uh, you know the publishers were you know, definitely well, looking at and definitely well, getting that message out there. Then you also, too, had the you know, whole death of Gwen Stacy as well. Yes. Uh, as the oh, first definitely. major, major death. Yeah, of a, like an important character, too. Yeah. I mean, I, I've got uh, reprints of that. It's such good stuff. And even the stuff that built up to it with uh, uh, Norman discovering Peter's identity and then Peter learning that Norman was the Green Goblin and, and all the things that came around to uh, to the buildup of that. It's just some great storytelling. Ah, just good stuff. But, uh, yeah, that's definitely one of the things. I mean, now in the modern age, uh, one of the things I love to kind of, uh, I guess you could say, preach to people that if you go to one of these movies, if you've gone to an Avengers movie or Ant-Man or something like that and came back, wow, that was a really great movie. I'm the first one who comes out like, you know what? If you want some more, there's this comic series, you know, that's going on. And every month there's a new story with that character. You can even go back and find back issues and you can have more fun with that same character. The comics are just as much fun. So I encourage people to actually go and read something. And if you don't think you could get to a comic book store, there's always digital. Yeah. Marvel Unlimited. Marvel Unlimited, Comicology. Um, I mean, in the course of Comicology, they run the DC and Marvel app, uh, comic app. It's, I mean, the the best company out there at the moment for for most of them, book-wise, is Marvel. You go out Mm -hmm. to the store, buy the book. Digital copy right there with it is part of the price. So it's two for one. Yeah. So you can leave your book at home, take your, your phone, your tablet, and read it on the road and don't have to worry about bent corners. <laughs> yes. Torn exactly. pages, whatever. And I mean, yeah, I ha- I get, um, I call them analog pages or analog copies of the books, <laughs> you know, hard copies. Now, here I am from the audio world. Yeah. We have our analog consoles and digital consoles. Um, but I, I like the digitals as well. One of my digital collection is huge between Dark Horse and everything on Comicology. I mean, I've got between the two, uh, I'm over 6,000 books. Wow. Um, be- between the, the two apps and there's no way I could fit 6,000 books here in my, in my house, <laughs> except on my tablet or on my computer. Yeah. So. It's easily accessible these days. Very much so. All right. The next thing, and I've actually just added this to my list, and I can't believe it was on there before, but uh, I think, see, this could be, you know, I think some fans would probably buy in on some of this as well, but I think a geek is more likely to be pushing 40 and still be picking up toys. But we, but now they're exactly they're collectibles to us now. <laughs> we won't take them out of the package. But like I have hanging on my wall, I have all four of the Ninja Turtles from the the current uh, Nickelodeon series. I have my Star Wars toys hanging over on one side. I've even got some uh, Star Tours toys. Uh, I mean, so yeah, we we collect toys now. Well, I, I, for me, if I could keep the packaging mint, it stays in it stays in the package. Mm-hmm. If it's one of those where it's bent, eh, whatever, it's coming out shelf fall. <laughs> and I've heard of some people, they'll buy two, one to keep in the box and one to get out so they can kind of pose it with some other stuff and display yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm slowly working on a project that I want to do with Star Wars figures. And I want to find like um, a couple of the different R2s, uh, the bounty hunters from the vintage collection or the vintage line that Hasbro re-released a few years ago. And then what I want to do is find both that same figure – 
loose and the original vintage figure from the Kenner days. Yeah. And have the nice little display of here's the main ones and here's here's the regular. That's what I would love to do. Yeah. See, I I don't know if a fan would get that far into it with toys. I don't know what you guys think. No, I I don't think so. Oh, a fan might might pick up something just to go, oh, look, I got this for the car or this will look cool next to the computer. But that's, I think, about it. But then again, a fan, do they turn geek when it involves their favorite sports team? And they got to go out and get all the bobbleheads and everything else? Hate mm-hmm. to tell so you, Josh, whole other you, topic. <laughs> you just turned into sports geek. Yeah, because you know, that's something I actually listed uh, with our love of sci-fi or fantasy and mythology. We like that we'll play role-playing games, and fantasy football in its own way could be looked at as being a role-playing game. You're playing the role as a team manager. Yeah, yeah. So we're kind of okay with the the jocks. Although one of the things I do put uh, as a bit of a geek qualifier is, just, hmm? go ahead, Eric. Well, I was just going to say, there's a lot less dice rolling involved, though. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you really don't know much about the players and you're trying to pick your your draft, just roll the dice. Oh, look, there's somebody matches this number. I'll guess. I'll <laughs> That would probably be me, you know, because one thing I also would say would be a geek qualifier is although we can enjoy sports, we generally don't have the athletic ability to play it very well, which might be why I see a lot of sometimes a bit of tie in with with geek culture and a little bit of the uh, kind of individual sports where it's not a team where like skateboarding, you might find a lot of geeks that kind of start getting into skateboarding a little bit just because it's not a team sport thing. But that sometimes is I don't know. I don't know if it's necessarily geek thing with skateboards, but see, I, I would I would argue that. And, and, and to me, this is where, like my example from earlier, Leonard would then fall more in the nerd phase because of not really caring about sports. I think, I mean, I'm a geek. I'm a hockey fan. Um, I am a Cleveland Browns fan. I, Baseball-wise, I'm a Toronto Blue Jays fan. Basketball, I follow the local Orlando Magic and standing-wise until it comes to playoffs. If they're in the playoffs, great. I'll continue following. If they're not in the playoffs, basketball's done. Could care less. <laughs> Love, Move on to the next season. <laughs> I, I love soccer, and uh, Orlando City Soccer, our local team here, is great. I've played. Um, I do play. Uh, I, I do play hockey. Um, it's... I, I, I don't think the lack of sports ability uh, it matters whether you're a geek or not. That's interesting because usually there is that division line, and it's almost like the uh, like the enemy of geekdom is the jocks. It seems like they're always against us. You know, it, typically how you would see presented in life is like, oh look, because you know we'd be the ones like, oh look, you have no athletic ability, ha ha, you can't climb the rope in gym class, ha ha ha. And see, you know, and see that, that's where I see the nerds. I see the the nerd this, aspect, yeah. Yeah, and I see nerd aspect and dork aspect. You kind of mix it together, and somewhere in the middle is geek. And, and again, you know, like I, like I've been saying, you know, it's all subjective. Mm-hmm. So, what I do mean, you think, are, Eric? Are we going to come up with the right or wrong? Uh, probably not. It's just our opinion. Yeah, and we're just getting people to think. And I thought this would be a fun way to oh, get yeah. us into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what, what do you think, Eric? You know, uh, it, it has to be a mixture of the two. Um, in my sixth grade uh, comic book group, uh, nine out of the ten of us there really had absolutely no interest in sports. The tenth guy, he was on the football team. Uh, he was on the football team all through high school. Uh, played, you know, most of the high school sports. So. It appeals to everybody, but I think um, the that there is an appeal to those who may have less physical or, or less of a sports interest. But uh, you know, but it, it's not exclusive to just those particular individuals. Anybody uh, can easily get 
wrapped up in it, and anybody can easily, you know, find a specific, uh, you know, aspect of geekdom that they like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tried to run track in high school, but I wasn't very good in it, so I only did it my freshman year. Now I bowl, and I'm, I'm not even like a great bowler, but I just have fun. But I still can't catch a ball worth a darn. <laughs> but I love my, you know, I love watching some football, and I'm. I've, it's been a great couple of years here in Kansas City with the Royals getting the playoffs last year, and I'm hoping this year we're going to do it again because we needed to win that World Series for crying out loud. So, but oh yeah, so we can get excited about sports too. But I, I can't, I, I can't. Unlike a lot of like sports fans who are like a complete sports. Fan, fan or fanatic or maybe in a sports geek they could tell you statistics from a game 20 years ago <laughs> and they know who played it and who won and who the coach was and everything and those are the people that i'm like how do you remember this but then i realize i know some like obscure characters from star wars or whatever that they'd probably look at me like how do you know this stuff yeah so it's almost it's almost like we're the same we're just have different interests Exactly. Uh, next thing I have low listed is uh, being smart slash studious. Not always brilliant, but I'd say that might be falling more to the nerd geek type of side. We might sometimes be a little bit more studious than someone who is a, a fan. Is that you think that's a true type of thing, or a generalization? Uh, well, again, you know, it depends on your level of, of geekdom or fandom. Um, I mean, if you're if you're a fan, but you don't do all the collecting or a lot of the reading, but you know. But you're very like trivia savvy about the topic. Um, some people might call you a geek, but others, you know, still you're very fanatical about what you're watching. Yeah, I mean, like that sports guy who who knows all the stats of every quarterback for the team that's ever started for a team going back 20 years. Okay, cool. But I mean, if that's all he does is you know, learn stats and, and collect stats. Okay, I, I was, I would say that's you know right on that border of just being a fan, a fanatical, or or you know, and being a geek. Yeah, of course, I was aiming more at the academic side of being smart and studious, but not always brilliant. Okay. Then if we're, if we're so talking, the, the, if we're talking academics, then I'm, this would be like the the major cast of Big Bang Theory. You know, the the as they're going for stereotypical nerd geeks, whatever, they're all in this in a field of science. Even Howard, who's an engineer, that's a field because science really is knowledge. It's what the word literally means. So right. there's just many different fields of it because you could be mathematician, uh, archaeology, you know, that type of thing. They're all sciences to a degree. Right, but is it, and that's so sort of the typical thing is like okay, so we're you know, as a geek or nerd or whatever, we might tend to be more knowledgeable on like academic or the sciences of some sort. Does do you think that reigns kind of true that maybe someone who's a fan is really not going to have been that worried and about um, their subject? You think? No, I don't. I don't. I don't think education really makes a difference because uh, how, how many times have we been to conventions where you you see that one person who you know maybe they weren't the best at grades you know with with grades in school but you know they're they're extremely knowledgeable on whatever their their area of expertise is um, I don't think the academic to limit it to the, the I guess the institutional academics I I don't think that really applies. Yeah. Although convention does not make you a geek, that could also be just a fan. Because if we look at like San Diego Comic Con, you've got a huge group of fans that are in there that are fans because it's become more of a Hollywood event. Uh, so that's where the yeah. fans and the geeks kind of meet together in that pop culture. But okay, but let's go. Um, 
C2E2 or New York Comic Con, where the well C2E2 is probably the best because New York's slowly going Hollywood as well. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Um, <laughs> it's a big city. <laughs> C2E2, I mean, it's you. You have fans and you have geeks and you have your nerds all there as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it's one of your larger cons. And again, you still get that full range of people who aren't necessarily. I know for me, compared to others I've seen at like a Star Wars celebration or even the local Megacon, um, oh no, I do I question my geek card? No, because I know where I stand. But would other people question my geek card? Quite possibly. Be- only right. because I'm I might not be as knowledgeable on one thing as as someone else is, or I or I don't have a doctorate in whatever. Well, no, but I'm highly skilled at the at my profession, in which I do have a degree in science and recording arts. <laughs> so, so there's your academia right there. Um, but whether my associate's degree is better than someone else's. Well, it's better, degree in science. It's it's irrelative. It's yeah, what you do. Well, I'll, I'll make clear. We're not saying that, that fans are lesser than geeks or vice versa. We're just saying there might be a difference. Okay. Yeah. So we, we're not saying that one's better than the other. I'm just, you know, there is kind of a difference. But Eric, what do you think with uh, academics? Do you think there's a difference there between like a, a geek and a fan of how they might be academically? You know, I think that it might have something to do, you know, in 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 early grades, like middle school through high school. Um, it, those who you know have reached out and embraced the things that uh, you know appeal, you know, to the child in us. I think uh, you know a lot of the people that I remember reading Lord of the Rings and uh, the guys that I would trade Marvel cra- uh, trading cards with. You know, for the most part, we were all, you know, doing fairly well in our classes. We were all doing, you know, towards the top of our grades. Um, but again, that's as it applies to the, the microcosm of uh, high school and junior high. Um, outside of that environment, I don't think there really is any qualifier for uh, academic mm-hmm. uh, understanding or background. It can appeal to anybody anywhere. I don't know how many times I've heard, you know, somebody who, you know, came across a Marvel movie and all of a sudden, you know, discovers comic books through it. Yeah. Um, just from out of the blue, just because these movies and the, the media today is so popular and part of the pop culture, you know, that it is embracing all of those who, you know, want to participate participate or come into it. It goes back to what you were saying back to the first of the show, you know, with uh, the rise of the Lord of the Rings. It, it really opened up the pop culture aspect of what it means to, you know, enjoy and appreciate, you know, these genre type of, uh, of materials. Yeah. Everybody starts reading books. That's Harry Potter was great for that. Uh, when those movies kind of came around there, uh, that suddenly people started reading the books. It's like you know, I, anything that I think pe- makes people sit and actually read anything, be a comic book or or a book and everything, it's good. Reading is just good for the brain. It's good for the imagination. So anything that I think brings people to read more books, and maybe they didn't like to read books because they didn't think they were that good, but then suddenly these movies are coming out based off of books, and like, oh, I really enjoyed that movie, and that part of the back of their head says, you know, I'm kind of curious what the book is like. So then. And they start reading the book and suddenly they find a love of literature in them and they start getting more to the geek side because part of the geek side and why I'm where I would get at with the smart studious is the old phrase of being the bookworm because we're, we're we like to hit the books uh, sometimes just because we're reading science fiction you know or or a fantasy novel and we so we read a lot 
lot. And so when it comes to just schoolwork, we're kind of more used to just reading things anyway. So I think that's where there might be a difference because you've already you've got one crowd that's already enjoys books. And one crowd that maybe is, you know, well, I kind of might like to read something, you know, that they can get in to start reading, but it, it seems not as natural for them. So, but anyways, we'll move on to the next step before we beat that one to death. Technology. Now, everybody, of course, loves technology, new tech to some degree. Some people are, are going to be there. As soon as the newest thing is out, some people have to be there to get the newest thing. Some of us don't have that kind of money, and so we just like, you know what? I'll just let that sit out there for a while. They'll work the bugs out, and if I really feel like I need it, I'll go get it. But uh, there there might be a difference there between fandom and geekdom or nerddom of when that technology comes out, the people who would go in and want to know how every little aspect of how it works or if something went wrong with it, they might be able to fix it. So I think there's probably a difference there between like a geeky nerd and a fan because you could you could be like, oh, I have to have the latest, greatest iPhone. But if it does something weird, that's the person who's going to go to find their geeky, nerdy friend like, oh, look, this is doing something it's not supposed to do. Can you help me with this? What do you think? Uh, well, I'm still waiting for my Apple Watch, so. <laughs> I'm not wasting the time with the Apple Watch. Not while it's still 600 bucks. <laughs> yeah, that's where I sit too. Of course, I don't, I'm not really an Apple fan, so. I, their, their, their software, I think, is great, but their hardware, you know, I'm not always trusting it because I've heard of too many. I've heard, listened to a lot of podcasts, especially if, if anyone else is a fan of Inside the Magic. As many times if you go through and listen to his series, series of stuff, his hard drive would crash out. And all these problems he would have that were just wrecked everything for him. I've never had that bad of a problem with a PC. See, I, I had a manager at work brag and boast all about his Mac. Oh, it, it, now it's a lot better than PC, yada, 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 as, as he's re, reinstalling his operating system on his <laughs> Mac for the third time that week. I'm like, yeah. hmm, funny. I've, uh, at the time, XP was the main pro, well, one of the main programs or yeah. for Windows. I'm like, hmm, funny. I haven't had to reinstall or, or or reinitialize my computer once since I've gotten it. Yeah, and when we do end up, you know, having to maybe reinstall an operating system, we didn't lose all of our files. We didn't crash the entire hard drive. We usually just needed to fix something that was just you know, it got yeah. too messy, and so we're just trying to hit reset. But we still have all of our documents. When I hear someone with a Mac when this crash, they they say, "Oh, good thing I backed up everything somewhere else because I would have lost everything." I I've had a couple times when when I have had to reinitialize. Um, I tend to not leave anything of importance on the main hard drive. It, it all goes to an external. Yeah, I like uh, that too. It's just more of okay. If I got to reinitialize, I got to reload programs, and that's the that's the pain in the butt. Yeah. So, but do you find that it's more if if you were a fan of something, you might still be one of the ones who would tend to. Uh, you might have some great technology, but that's the type of person who's probably going to come and look up a find a good their nerdy or geeky friend to fix it for them. Uh, this day. Think that age, holds true? This day and age, I don't think it does anymore. I yeah, mean, it's, it's it's hard to say, but yet I still have family members that does, something goes wrong with their computer and they're calling me. Okay, but do you consider them fans or or just because I, I think they're still around? Sometimes house. they're not even like big fans of stuff, but they might be the type that will just oh yeah, I'm gonna I want to go see that movie. See, I think that that's that's another thing too. Is I mean, there's that other genre that's nerd geek fan. And everyone else. <laughs> and it's just people who the ones want to go that are out just like, yeah. Yeah. They would just want to be entertained. But that's still part of a pop culture. If you're going out to be entertained by something that's become a popular thing, 
and maybe you went to go see it because, well, everybody seems to really like this. Let me go check it out. You're you're participating in pop culture. Right. So everybody kind of participates in pop culture to a degree, but some people are are a little behind the times. (laughs) Well, how can you you not be be affected by pop culture at some point? Right, because it's everywhere. I mean... Because we still can't get people to let it go. I mean, a fan fan would turn around, or someone who's just delving into pop culture would say, oh, Star Wars is coming, the new Star Wars film comes out in December. A fan would go, well, The Force Awakens come, Star Wars The Force Awakens comes out in December. And I already know all the characters' names, all the actors that are playing in it. I've been to, I've I've watched on YouTube, I've watched all the convention things and all that stuff. That might be the difference. A geek would come out and say, well, The Force Awakens comes out in 136 days, 5 hours, 43 (laughs) minutes, and 46 seconds. There you go. As he's showing off his Star Wars app. Yes, or it's counted (laughs) down for him. Yep. Although a fan might do that, too. Quite possibly. Right. See, a fan could because because some things are so big in the pop culture that someone could be a big fan of it, and they might. Oh, cool! Look, the Star Wars app because it's it, it's so fun. Really, you get to take pictures yourself as a Jedi or whatever. There's so many fun things on there. I could see a fan being really huge on this. So this is one thing that a fan and a geek I think would come together and like, yeah, this is awesome. High five. <laughs> yeah. So Eric, what do you think on that technology? And then there's the other group that says, oh, I was just going to say, there's there's a, that third group out there that says, there's a Star Wars movie coming out. <laughs> and we look at them like, where are you, what planet are you from? But of course, you know, my in-laws might be that way, but they're 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 older. They're, so. they're from the outer rim, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. There are people in the world who still have not yet seen Star Wars. In fact, my best friend, who's a big, he's a big geek for Star Trek, Star Wars, and everything else in comic books, and he loves Superman to death. He married a woman. Well, we made sure she watched Star Wars before they got married, but we found out that she had never seen the Star Wars, and so we sat down with her and said, no, you're going to watch this. And so, and she liked it, but she's not, you know, big, even hardly, like, fan of it. She just liked it. So. Okay, well, moving on to the next thing I have listed is, speaking of a comic convention, they've... A geek has probably attended a comic convention when it was just a room full of comics or and or toys. And I know I've been to one. I went to the, the first convention I, I went to. It was at a, a, a Double Tree Hotel in Overland Park. And it was a small little room in the hotel that just had boxes of comics for you to sift through and find some old issues. I bought a, a whole bunch of old uh, Star Wars comics from the 70s. Uh, I found a comic adaptation of Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, stuff like that. You know, there, and there's a big difference between like a comic convention where and, and I I've been to a bigger one here lately at Planet Comic Con and there is a difference between people who are going to put the effort into actually go and look in the stands and or go and say oh look they have all these different comic artists and, and they want to go and look at some of their artwork there they might want to buy something they they've got it they're looking maybe for some missing comic issues or maybe looking at some toys there's a difference between that and the people who also have no interest in that but they want to sit down in the panels because oh look celebrities yeah so there's definitely a line i think san diego comic-con has become a huge example of that where you have you know all these panels and of course the geeks are wanting to show up for these panels too and there could be some geeks that well dang it i gotta make sure i'm there for this panel so i'm not moving from this seat if i can help it because my panel is coming up you know five panels from now the the only flaw with san diego comic-con now is the name comic-con because <laughs> yeah. it's not about comics anymore it's the it's a pulp culture con now as much as they want to tell salt lake that's not the case <laughs> yeah 
Uh, they're they're not the only ones who have been receiving letters. Mm. Yeah, and I know the uh, uh, Midtown Comics is that one thing of like they pulled out of the San yep. Diego Comic Con. Yep, and like the biggest comic retail chain is, or not really a chain, but biggest comic store gone. And that's and that's one of the things of, I was glad kind of a chain because they've got they've got like two or three stores in the Denver area. So oh, I'll die because I knew they had one in New York, but yeah, Mile High Comics I thought is only right. in Denver. No, it was Mile High that pulled out. Oh, Mile High. Con. I thought Midtown Comics oh, right, did too. Right. No, it was Mile High. Ah, I see. And but yeah, Mile so High that's, they I think, won the, the biggest at Comic Con up until this year. Yeah, and that's one of the biggest differences. Is uh, a, a geek is probably going to go there because oh look, comic books. A fan's going to go there because oh look, celebrities, and they're all going to enjoy it the same way. And there's nothing wrong with either approach. Well, I think, but it's just, there's just a difference in mentality when we get there. Although when I went to Planet Comic Con, I I I wanted to sit in on some panels, but I also wanted to make sure I took some time. I wanted to walk the floor. I wanted to look at everything, and because I was also working, I made sure I talked to the people who built R two D twos as a as a hobby, and which which fantastic. And I want to learn to do it so bad, but I ain't got the resources. So, well, I think the you know when it comes to conventions, a fan might go one day, might go on that Saturday because that's the day. That's when their panel is that they really want to see. Or, or, or just, well, that's the popular day to go. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. you know, you're, you're geeks, you're there all three or four days of the show. If you can afford it. <laughs> if you can afford it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we're in general agreement on that one, but we need to start wrapping this up. Uh, there is one last topic I want to be able to hit, but what I think I'll do is I'll turn this over to the listeners and, and anybody can send me an email on this, but music, I just, my question is with that is you think it's more of a geek thing to, that you really focus on you, you movie scores and what in the world is with rush? It seems like there's like the geek rite of passes that you much like rush. So I am curious about that, but I, everybody send emails, voicemails, uh, and tell me what you think about that. I'll get some out side opinions on there but uh, we need to wrap this up here so definitely a big thank you to Eric Warren and Mike Emke and of course we know Eric you can find him on Twitter at EWW and Mike Emke you can find WeBeGeeksPC.com you can find everybody of the WeBeGeeks network including Mighty Marvel Geeks and WeBeGeeks is there any other shows that you're a part of that I'm forgetting? No that's pretty much it and actually make it a little easier instead of the PC.com which is what it will redirect you to just go to WeBeGeeks.net a little easier oh, well, to say. <laughs> a little easier to say. It'll still take you to WeebyGeeks.pc.com, but WeebyGeeks.net's a little easier. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at WeebyGeeks or at MarvelGeeks, either or. Awesome. Alrighty, and feel free, anybody, to send in your voicemails, emails, to let us know what you think about anything that we have discussed. Okay, we're going to have to end it right here. That is only part one of a two-part panel, because that panel was like an hour and 20-something minutes uh, when we were done talking. So I've split it into two and kind of edited it together to put the beginning and the intro on there. So next week you'll hear them introduced again, uh, only partial of the introdu- introduction. And, uh, of course, reminding you to send the email on what you think about uh, about music, if there are particular music that's more of a fan thing. Uh, but also send an email about what you think about anything we've discussed. Is there something maybe 
uh, we haven't discussed that yet that you are interested in. Also, uh, I am in the process of uh, contacting the winners of some of the prizes for our October review drive. Uh, I still have a little bit of stuff left, so if you want to get a review in, go for it. Uh, but remember also to keep that pixie in your pocket, and by that, of course, mean the young at heart and good attitude, and share that pixie dust with others. See ya! Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and Blueberry. We love to hear from you on Twitter.com slash NeverlandPCast and Facebook.com slash NeverlandPodcast. Leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492 and send email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. Join us next week and we'll once again go to Disney and beyond. The Neverland Podcast is copyright Blue Band Productions and all original content belongs to the same. Other content is copyright of their respective creators and is used under Creative Commons license. Good night, Neverland! Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotion promotional offer not available in washington dc